Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey guys, Frank here. So by now, obviously, you've clearly realized that we're taking a short break and running an encore episode or best of GGACP this week. Uh, Gil and I have been going pretty much non-stop since the new year began and uh, we've also gotten busy so call this a midwinter or president's day break if you like and we're running an episode from back in 2019 to honor the 50th anniversary of a beloved and very important movie and that's bob fossey's 1972 masterpiece cabaret which was released in february of 1972 50 years ago now we got a chance to sit down with actor and dancer Joel Gray, who won an Oscar that year for his performance as the MC. As everybody knows, he'd already won the Tony a few years earlier. And this episode uh, is the result. We asked Joel a, a lot about Cabaret and Fosse, but also about many other things, including, of course, his dad, who was the musician and comedian Mickey Katz, who made popular novelty records in the 40s and the 50s and later. As memory serves, I think Gil even sings a few bars of one or two of Mickey's hits uh, in this episode. We also talked about the all-Yiddish version of Fiddler on the Roof, which Joel directed a few years ago, back when this episode was first up. As I said, we covered quite a bit. Now, some people who heard this episode at the time thought Joel was being difficult with us or a bit obstructionist. But what really happened, and I explained this later on Facebook, or I, I attempted to anyway, is that he was putting us on and trying to do that kind of Charles Grodin talk show shtick thing where he pretends to be uncooperative, which Grodin used to do and was a master at. It was really a bit that amused Gilbert and I, but the audience couldn't really get a sense of what was going on without visuals because Joel was making funny faces and he was winking and he was even blushing at, at himself at his own antics. He was kind of taking the piss out of us, I guess, as the Brits say. But we knew he had fun and a good time. He was very grateful at the end. He hugged both of us at the end of the recording. As I say, it was his little gagger put on, and it didn't work It didn't work quite as well in audio-only format. But we got the joke. Give it another listen. And still, we thought this was a strong episode with a lot of good history. And above all else, we wanted to honor that wonderful, wonderful movie. So... Uh, We thought it was a good time to put this up. So we'll see you next week with a brand new episode. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy. And thanks to all, especially our generous Patreon supporters. We love you guys. And until next time, enjoy our fun and rather adventurous meeting with the legendary Joel Gray. We got to put you on the spot one more time if you do like an ID for us. Oh, uh, like the old radio station IDs. You know, this is John Astin. Maybe. Capital idea. (laughs) Hello, this is John Astin, and you are listening to Gilbert Gottfried's amazing, colossal, creepy, kooky, mysterious, spooky, altogether ooky podcast. Fantastic. Perfect. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) Couldn't ask for better.
Thank you. <laughs> it, it was worth the wait. <laughs> For me. We're gonna pay a call on the Adams family. This is Gilbert Gottfried, and this is Gilbert Gottfried's amazing, colossal podcast. I'm here with my co-host, Frank Santo Padre, and we're once again, we're once again, recording that. You could take it again. Yeah. Hi, this is Gilbert Gottfried, and this is Gilbert Gottfried's amazing, colossal podcast. That was, that was better. <laughs> <laughs> He's a director, after and all. and I'm once again with my co-host Frank Santo Padre and our engineer Frank Verderosa. Our guest this week is a Tony and Oscar-winning actor, singer, dancer, director, producer, and photographer, and genuine Broadway legend. And we couldn't be more excited to have him sitting here. As an actor, you've seen him in television shows such as. Night Gallery, Brooklyn Bridge, Star Trek, Voyager, Brothers and Sisters, Oz, Nurse Jackie, and House, and on the big screen in films like Buffalo Bill and the Indians, The 7% Solution, Remo Williams, The Adventure Begins, The Player, The Music of Chance, and Dancer in the Dark, and of course in his Academy Award-winning role of the MC in the iconic musical Cabaret. He's also starred in long-running Broadway and off-Broadway shows like Cabaret, George M., The Normal Heart, Chicago, Anything Goes, and Wicked, winning a Tony, two Drama Desk Awards, and a Grammy Hall of Fame Award in the process. His latest passion is directing a Yiddish-language version of Fiddler on the Roof, currently running at the Museum of Jewish Heritage and moving to Off-Broadway in February 2019. Playbill magazine called this version the most authentic production of Fiddler you will ever see. And... His terrific and revealing 2016 memoir, Master of Ceremonies, describes his journey from child actor to Broadway star and includes anecdotes about everyone from Ruth Gordon to Larry Hagman. Please welcome the son of the great Mickey Katz, the namesake of actor Joel McRae, and a man who once shared the screen with Eddie Cantor, the multi-talented Joel Gray. If you knew Susie like I know Susie, <laughs> oh, oh. You wanted me to do Eddie Cantor, right? <laughs> Was that, did I misunderstand? <laughs> <laughs> How 
was trying to get you to sing cabaret. Okay. <laughs> okay. I can't. No? Because <laughs> I didn't sing that song in the movie or on stage. Did you know that? No. Oh, he means the song the, you sang at the Y when Gay Talese was interviewing yes, you. Yes, yes. What wouldn't Welcome and bienvenue. Welcome. Is that the one? That's yes, the one. Yes. <laughs> oh, that's just what I wanted. Well, we got that straight. <laughs> and a very strange incident happened before we got on the air. And that's, we were talking about, you say you don't know that much Yiddish? I don't speak Yiddish. Yeah. So I was saying to you, I know one expression in Yiddish, and without saying it, you said it. It was scary. I know. It was weird. I thought it was good, too. Yeah. Shehelfiatoitenbankis. Right. It's going to help you. You'll live like a cupping works on a dead person. <laughs> Cupping. How did you know? And that joke is, by the way, yeah. is is in the show. Is, is, is in Fiddler? Yeah. Wow. Oh, okay. Well, we both have to come see it. But how on earth did you know? Did you predict the well, one you know, I was Yiddish phrase that Gilbert in knew? In Man on a Swing. Right. I was, you know. A clairvoyant. Right. Yeah. And yeah. It, some of it stuck. Good movie. Now, can you tell a story, Mickey Katz, your father, how he was discovered? How my father was discovered? Yes. I, th I think he's... Uh, By you... Spike Jones, you mean. Okay. He, he was... My he father was, like... was a musician in Cleveland. Yes. And Spike Jones was traveling through the country, touring. And my father was a, a wonderful clarinetist and a saxophone player. And he also did comedy bits. He was funny. He just was funny. And he also did this sound. <laughs> <laughs> Those are called glugs. Glugs. <laughs> Very good. And if you know Spike Jones, cocktails for two. Sure. Yes. <laughs> he does that sound. Yeah. For for people that don't know Spike Jones, he would do these songs, and there would be gunshots and car horns yep. and everything. You bet. He was a giant star. Now, your father was, I think, just backstage fooling around doing some song. Yes, exactly. Yes. In a recording session yes. of Spike Jones. And the head of RCA Victor was in the booth, and he heard my father singing this thing. He, my dad didn't know that the... Um, the microphone was open, and um, he was playing. He was saying, "I had this idea for." He always wrote parodies. I gave me a hame mit a weibelle chain with the sheeps and the ziggelach leifen. I gave me a hoise mit kids and the cowboys and a couple hundred cattle to verkaufen. And they thought it was funny. They didn't understand Yiddish. They were not Jewish, and he, they put him on RCA Victor Records, and and that's how and that was the beginning of his career as a dialectician and a comedian, and that's how the public knew him from those records. What what was Mickey Katz and his crazy kittens? Oh, that Gilbert was... and I love that. 
<laughs> and Betty Hutton was in, was uh, was part of that. He toured. He toured with Betty Hutton. You know, with the uh, the troops, right in Europe, right. He was the band leader, <laughs> <laughs> selling war bonds after shows. Yeah, at one point, yeah. So when your father started performing around uh, with his songs, was he in like was it vaudeville, the Yiddish theater? Or? No, there was no Yiddish theater no. for him because uh, he was a musician. Yeah. And so he was sort of in the vaudeville world. Okay. The Palace Theater in Cleveland. And uh Big Names played the Palace Theater. Very Burl, Sophie Tucker. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I used to sit in the uh pit and watch. Oh my. And I think that's where I kinda got a bug. And and you said I think it was that your mother took you to you would take you to the theater. Yes. Uh, yeah. She took me to see um, a, a proper American play at the Cleveland Playhouse where they had no idea what a Jew was. <laughs> 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 no, they didn't. It was very, very high class and, you know, major goyish. And I sat down there and I watched these children and this children's group of uh, actors putting on a show, and I, I just knew in that moment, I said to my mom, I want to do that. I want to do that. At the age of eight? Nine. Nine. It was a little later. Wow. Wow. Now, how did your parents react? Oh, good. Yeah. I mean, my mother, she wanted to be a star, you know, an actress, but she had no talent for that. She became a painter. She became a painter yeah. and a great cook. You know, she was terrific. But mm -hmm. she somehow had this idea that she was going to be a movie star because everybody was crazy about the movies then. That was the beginning right. of, you know, Hollywood stuff. Was Peter Lorre one of your favorites? Oh, I found he, that in the research. I, he was. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I was a great fan of him, of his acting. I thought he was a great character actor. Have you heard Peter, uh, Gilbert's Peter Laurie, Joel? I'm ready. I'm closing my eyes. It's a treat. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's you who bundled it. You, it's your stupid attempt to buy it. Kevin found out how valuable it was. No wonder we had such an easy time getting it. You blundering fathead. <laughs> well, I didn't know I, I was going to be, you know, surprised like this. <laughs> I wish our listeners could see the look on Joel's face. He was delighted by that. Pretty good, huh? Excellent. Yeah, it's the best Peter oh, Laurie, the best Peter Laurie ever done. Who else do you do? <laughs> he does Sydney Green Street. Shh, I'm closing my eyes. <laughs> Here we go. Let's have it. You are a character, sir. I I like uh, talking to a man who likes to talk. Brilliant. <laughs> no, that is brilliant. Yes, they're he is. both brilliant. <laughs> Thank you. I can leave now. He's a great mimic. He's a great mimic. We've done two hundred and forty of these, Joe, and you wouldn't believe. Do you remember the character actor John MacGyver? I do. Yeah. Listen to this. <laughs> Close your eyes. <laughs> 
Altı everything must be done according to schedule. <laughs> We will have no slackers in this company. I run a tight ship. Everything must be done according to my orders. <laughs> I like that too. <laughs> You don't have to say anything. I'll just do a put on a show for you. I did like it. He's a great mimic. Yeah. We'll pull some other ones out later on in the show. Before we jump off your dad, I do want to, we mentioned this before we turn the mics on. I do want to direct people to YouTube to see your daughter, Jennifer, do a great tribute to your dad on the Conan show where she sings Duvid Crockett. Right. And she really gets into it. There's a little dance step. And oh, the, yeah. She's really. That's my daughter. <laughs> That's my kid. Three generations. And you were saying that acting saved your life. Well, yes. Yes, it, it did. Because I knew that I had a place. And I needed a place. Even when I was nine years old, I was struggling to feel, to fit in. And... All of a sudden, I was given a role, and I was able to tell the truth of this character, and people noticed it and said, oh, you're good. And what kid doesn't want to hear that? At the age of nine, you, uh -huh. jo you joined the curtain pullers, the Cleveland Playhouse? And then I was in the adult. And then the adult version. Yeah. You know, now this is strange because um, when I saw your performance in Cabaret, the way you looked and the way you played Can it. Can you imitate me? <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. Hold on. Give him some time to work I on should it. think that would be right up your alley. You know, I never attempted it. Because uh, I, I was born in Coney Island. And in Coney Island, they had that amusement park steeplechase that had that face that I think was George A. Yes, yes! <laughs> Joel is making a scary face. And it was that George A. Till you. That was my handsomest face. <laughs> and it was a scary, it was like Alfred E. Newman, but psychotic killer Upside Alfred Upside down. And I remember someone saying that that was because they believed that entertainment and having fun there was something scary and evil about it so that's why they made that scary face and so when i saw you in cabaret it made me think of that because it's like it it looks like those people at the cabaret are in hell and you're the devil it's very eerie thank you <laughs> <laughs> it's an interesting interpretation. Yeah, because it's it's you you play it like very scary. A little bit of Dwight Fry, a yes. little bit of uh, uh, is it Emil Jannings in the Last Laugh? It's almost got like Caligari. Were any of these things running through your head because you were such a movie buff? No, it's expressionistic. Well, all right, I you mean, can I, go. I was. <laughs> I was much more influenced by the art mm -hmm. of the time of the uh, the Nazis. I see. That's interesting. Well, tell us about how the MC came about. I know Hal Prince saw you 
and decided that you were the person to play this part. Yes. A, a part that you had, if I correct me if I'm wrong, that you had trouble understanding at first and getting into because he was such a... It, it, it wasn't written. It was, there were no lines. Mm-hmm. There was no character mm-hmm. except the MC, the second-rate comedian, you know, uh, master of ceremonies. And... Um, I had no scenes with anybody. It was all five great songs. And uh, I needed to find the man, the, uh, you know, that bad that bad guy. So you took some of the low comics, particularly that comic in St. Louis. Do I have this right? Oh, boy. <laughs> I thought he was the cheapest shot of a... MC that anybody could ever want, not want to see. Mm-hmm. So this guy that you saw on the road from your nightclub days, you retained this, and you decided to, to infuse it. this character. Right. That's fascinating. So this, the, this ama- like, third-rate comic became immortal. He, he never knew. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you never said his name publicly, I would, I, I would assume. Uh, no. I'm sure he's gone. Yes, he is. By now. Yeah, I just saw an interview with you. And you no, said, I never told. Anybody. You never told anybody who it was. No, interesting. And and here's here's another song. And I don't think today's the day. No, <laughs> <laughs> he might he might have heirs or relatives. Here's here's another song, I once heard on the radio that killed me that your father sang. So I'm I'm pushing you again. How much is that pickle in the window? Yeah, the one that's on top of the pail. Yeah, right. How much is that pickle in the window? Yes. I do hope that pickle's for sale. <laughs> people, we say to our listeners that people can pick, can, can find these on YouTube. We have them both queued up. We have Duvid Crockett, which Jennifer did so well on the, on the Conan show, and, and Pickle in the Window queued up. They're on YouTube and well worth seeing. And your father was kind of ahead of his time. I mean, Stan Freeberg, yep. you know, uh, uh, there was no Alan Sherman. Nobody was they doing parody. Follow, yeah. They all followed him. Yeah. Kind of a, tra- a trailblazer in that genre. Yeah. Certainly, there was no Weird Al, but I, th- you know, I think they respected him as a as a as a as a yes as a, a forerunner. Exactly, that's what I said. A forerunner. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like there should be alcohol involved in yes. this interview. And and when you walked in, you were wearing like like a rabbi shawl. <laughs> Excuse me? <laughs> Over your shoulders. That's what that looked like. It did? Yes. That's called a talus. A talus. Gilbert, what See, kind of Jew I'm, are you? I'm a horrible Jew. <laughs> a talus, and that was not a talus. Yeah. <laughs> that was a very chic shawl. <laughs> no, Bo Brummel, he's not, Joel. <laughs> Maybe on you it just looked more Jewish. Well, maybe that's because of Fiddler. Yes. You know, Mickey Katz, Fiddler, I'm sort of stuck. And now, you're, you're, tell us about this, your production of Fiddler on the Roof. And who it's a tribute to. Well, I, I got a call from uh, this gentleman that runs the National Theater, Yiddish Folksbina, which means the stage, Yiddish stage. And uh, he's a great 
you know, a, a great figure in the Yiddish theater world. And he said, I'm doing, I've always wanted to do Fiddler on the Roof in Yiddish. And there was a production 50 years ago in Israel. And I've gotten the rights to do it. Would you like to direct it? And I said, that's a rather wild idea because I don't speak Yiddish. But I know that play very, very well. I have loved it from the first preview, which I saw in Washington before it came to New York. With Zero? Yes, yes. And uh, I've seen every production ever since. And I love that musical, and I think it's a great score. It's just everything good. And I also loved Sholem Aleichem's um, stories, and that's what this Tevye and his daughters was taken from and made into Fiddler. And I um, woke up the next morning, and I said to myself, I don't know how I'm going to do this. I don't know quite what to do, but I'm going to do it. And I decided that then and there. And it just came. We get these wonderful actors who did not speak Yiddish. I heard you say three quarters of the cast didn't speak didn't speak any right. Yiddish, and you t- and so how uh, the obvious question: How does a man who doesn't speak Yiddish direct other actors? Well, to, I was to speak it. Oh, thank you so much. Uh, I I knew what it was about, mm-hmm. so I could tell the actors. I see, and we rehearsed it in English, and then I see. once they understood it in English. Then they added the Yiddish language. And are you honoring your your dad a little bit by doing by doing this show? I sure hope so. Good, that's nice. That's nice. I know you you you, you don't speak it, but you, is it true that you learned a little bit from listening to his records? Not much. Not much. No, I mean I know the jokes. Yeah, the jokes. <laughs> <laughs> right, <laughs> you do enough. And he taught you to respect the audience too. Your father. I heard you say that in, yeah, in an interview. Everything. He there was. He, he was a musician, essentially. That's really what he he adored was playing the clarinet and playing with his musician friends. Mm-hmm. He just loved that. The fraternity of it. Yes. Yeah. And if he played a um, a gig like a wedding or something, if there was one person on the dance floor. He was still there. Wow. That's great. We had Gino Conforti on this show, by the way, who is notable because he was the, I believe he was the original fiddler. He was? Yeah. I knew him too. Yeah, yeah, good guy. Very sweet. Yeah, he's in L.A., still around, did this show. Did Gilbert, and, Gilbert sang some fiddler. You What, you sang with Andrea Martin when she was here? Oh, oh, I think, do you love me? There you go. <clears throat> there you go. That's a show that's that, that he cares about. And, and I heard that, uh, when Gino Conforti was the fiddler, Zero Mustel started, he would start yelling stuff that was not in the script. <laughs> and he started yelling, you know, 
Uh, get off the roof, you fucking kitty. This is a Jew production. <laughs> According to Gino. <laughs> um, that's not my style. <laughs> <laughs> but what did you think of Zero Mustel? thought he was a genius. I loved him. But if I were the director and he was fucking with my show like that, it would not be good. Oh, yeah, he colored outside the lines a lot, didn't he? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I yeah. mean, and, you know, threw the play away in a way. Although he was yeah. charming yeah. and wonderful. But, and then the rest of the actors were left right. of often course. hanging and of looking course. bad. P- possibly why he wasn't offered the film? And because he was difficult no, or because he was asking that. too much money or something like that? I don't have any. I know nothing about that yeah. history. I'll have to ask Norman Jewison when we have him on. Tell us, here's a segue, a neat segue. Uh, Jack Ilford, from Zero to Jack Ilford, who you you worked with in the original Cabaret production. He's somebody, we love character actors as you do. He and is, we've talked about him on this show many he, times. He was a great friend and a wonderful actor. I, I, I never tired of watching him with great timing. Yeah. And sadly blacklisted. Yeah. But truly, a truly funny man. Yep. We will return to Gilbert Gottfried's amazing colossal podcast, but first, a word from our sponsor. And what about Lottie Lenya, who was in that production? We, I don't think we've, we've done 250 of these shows. I don't think we've ever interviewed anybody who knew Lottie Lenya. There you go. <laughs> Mr. Gray's raising his hand. What was she like? We only know her from from the you know the Bond picture, basically, and a few other things. <laughs> Rosa Klebb, right, Gil? And yes, and and from uh, her name being in the Bobby Darren of version course. of Mac and Knife, and Joel worked with Bobby Darren too. Lenya. Right. <laughs> and you worked with Bobby Darren. I did. I did. I, I worked with him and. Uh, I fixed him up with Sandra D. You did? Yeah. That's, oh! a, that's a claim to fame. Okay, now. And they got married. So how did you fix these two up? Oh, I'm really good at that. <laughs> <laughs> what was that picture? Come September? That's right. Yeah. Rock Hudson. Yeah. Walter Slazak. Oh, we love Walter Slazak. Yes. <laughs> now well, I'm cooking. Right? Lifeboat. <laughs> That was early in your career, and you're working with Rock Hudson and Robert Mulligan, who directed To Kill a Mockingbird, and Bobby Darren, and interesting times. Very. You did, and I found this interesting. You didn't really, do I have this right? You didn't really see musical, necessarily musical theater in your future when you started. You thought you were going to be doing Richard III. You thought you were going to be doing... Yeah. Yeah, I never, I, I, I never thought I could sing. Uh-huh. And I had to really study in order to do it. But uh, it was what, you know, paid the bills and and got the attention. Of course. So I did it. What one memory of Lottie Lenya? Anything that stands out? She seemed larger than life. No, she was small. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, she was not heavy. <laughs> she was a great stylist. And of course, you know, she was married to Kurt. Um, well, Kurt File was yeah, her husband. Of course. 
Of course. And you thought after Cabaret you were never going to win the Academy Award. Right. Yeah. And oh, d- did I? Yes, you certainly <laughs> did. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yes. Right. I remember that night. I, I was sure it was Al Pacino. Sure. I mean, it was such a great performance and a great popular film. And it was his turn. Yeah. And, well, this was Godfather 2? Yeah, the first one. Yeah. Godfather 1? Yeah. Yeah. He hasn't spoken to me since. Is that true? <laughs> <laughs> you look genuinely shocked when they, when they announced your name. And I love the Hagman story, too. That's fun. The best fucking neighbor? Yeah, you want to tell that? Yeah. <laughs> I think I already did. Yeah. Well, yeah. we'll cut out that part and then just... Uh... He he, uh, he was my next-door neighbor and my best friend at the time of the Academy Awards, and uh, he knew how nervous I was. So I came home from the Academy Awards, and there was this enormous trophy that he had engraved the Best Fucking Actor Award. <laughs> no, but no, no, no. When I'm yeah. ringing it up myself. Best Fucking Neighbor Award. Because <laughs> he thought I would come home empty-handed and he wanted me to That's ha- sweet. have something. He also thought Pacino was going to take it. We all did. But yeah, yeah. That's a nice story. Well, I mean, Godfather, that was like the biggest movie in the world. Right. And musicals are less serious in terms of people's uh, ideas about art. Well, certainly the in the Academy. I mean, the comedies, too. Was Billy Wilder rumored to direct Cabaret? Not that Before, I know. I, I, I Not thought, that it's I know interesting. Of. It's interesting, the stuff you find in... in he would have been good. Yeah, because I know you and Fosse... And you don't have to go into the in detail about you and Fosse because it's a story that's been told... Many times. Yes. But how in the hell did he, does he look at that character, the character you won the Tony for and the character you owned, and basically say, I see Ruth Gordon in this part. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I told that to Gilbert and he turned white. Yeah. It's surreal. <laughs> it was a strange moment. Yeah. However, we pressed on. Yeah. Yeah, you want to tell the backflip story because it's just it's just so ridiculous. No, that's so funny. Not funny. It was awful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it was, it was the first day of rehearsal in Germany in Munich, and uh, he said, "I have an idea for the two ladies number. Uh, have you ever done a backflip?" And I said, "No, but you know, uh, show me how to do it." He said, "Okay, Johnny, come over here and." Uh, Watch me, uh, you know, stand back of me. He's and he went boom and turned up and fell right on his face hard and stayed there. He didn't move. We didn't know. It was the first day of rehearsal. We thought, oh, this is the end of the movie. And he got up and they took him to the uh, doctor. And he was back the next day with a his blue, his entire side of his face was blue, and a cigarette was hanging out. Unbelievable. He was a genius. Yes, of course. Well, we love all that jazz. He was great. He was great, great, great. And I guess I never understood what it was. Nobody did. I mean, even the people closest to him. 
But my instinct is that he loved to perform. And I think somewhere in the back of his mind, if he if he could tell them not to use me, that he could play it himself. How interesting. I mean, he must have realized, he's, he, he's, he's looking at dailies every day. He must have realized that this guy is knocking this out of the park and, and, and have to admit grudgingly that he was wrong. Grudgingly. Is- <laughs> <laughs> I have to say, in light of everything, Joel, you were, you were very gracious in your acceptance speech. Well, you know, thank you. <laughs> By the way, I watched, I watched you winning on YouTube, and Robert Duvall looks pissed off because he was, he was nominated too. He was. Yeah. All he, those guys. Jimmy Kahn, I think, was. F- four of them. You won over the entire cast of The Godfather. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. That's a silence. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I also I want to talk about the next movie that you made, which since you brought it up, which was Man on a, on a, on a Swing, which I watched again. And by the way, you you and Cliff Robertson have very, very nice chemistry together. Have you seen it recently? Last night. You did? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not I'm, kidding you. You really did? I actually, I, some friends of mine had never seen it. Oh, it's so good. And I sat and watched the first scene. That you, was last night. Your first scene? Yes. Yeah, where you're on the intercom before, right. before you even go to the police station. Right. Yeah. It, it, Gilbert, you have to see this movie. Now, you did... Another movie that we uh, spoke about in the introduction, and that was Remo Williams' The Adventure Begins. Now, what was odd about that is, you know, this was like you were playing an Asian in it, and this was past the time A when... A 90-year-old Asian. A 90-year-old yes. Asian, yes. Chun. Yes. Master Chun. Can we hear some of Master Chun? No. <laughs> I cannot do that. Did anyone... You he- ask too much. <laughs> That's great. It's a little like Dick Cavett's Richard Liu. Remember Richard Liu? Character actor? Yeah. The Asian character actor? Yeah. Ah, Kadia. <laughs> You like to disappear into roles, I've heard. You you like to really transform yourself. It's fun. Yeah, you did with that character. You're really unrecognizable. I know. And you won a Saturn Award, which must have been a cool thing. I did? Yes, you did. Yes, it's in my research. Wait, I don't know. No? <laughs> Maybe you were nominated. <laughs> That's even worse. Maybe I got that wrong. Tell us about... To have not won... The Saturn Award? <laughs> <laughs> There's so many things we want to ask you about. We want to ask you about Eddie Cantor, too. But we, we don't go in any order here, Joel, as you see. It's all very schizophrenic. Did you, When you were doing Buffalo Bill and the Indians, did you like working with Altman? I loved it. Yeah? Yeah. We never knew what we were doing. It was all a lot of improvisation. Yeah, because he gives actors a lot of rope. Yep. And that's how it gets written, really. You know, it's kind of kind of guide, and then everybody improvises, and he takes the best of it. Yeah, because they said during Mesh, 
uh, both Elliot Gould and Donald Sutherland at one point wanted to get him fired because I guess they weren't used to working that way. Okay. Let's, let's call him. <laughs> <laughs> did you spend any time? This is completely off the off the uh, off track. But did you spend any time with Pat McCormick while making that movie? Just looking up to him. Yes, yes, because he played. I'm trying to remember. Was it Grover Cleveland? Yes, and he was seven feet tall. Yeah, yeah. He's a, he's sort of a character that comes up a lot on he this was show. Fun. Yeah. yeah. And you liked working with Paul. I love. Yeah. He was great. Yeah. My God, what a what a movie star! And Olivier, so I know, and I read in my notes that you love Peter Laurie, but you also loved Olivier. Did you get to spend time with Olivier when you no, made Seven Percent Solution? Have, we didn't have any scenes together. Damn it! But my character was very Peter Laurie. Yeah, yeah. Le, now that I, Levenstein. Yes, Levenstein. Now that I think of it, yeah, yeah, Laszlo. La- Peter Laurie's real name was La- La- his name was Laszlo Lowenstein. Who? Peter Laurie. Is that true? Yeah. And that's where they got Lowenstein. Interesting. It could be. Is that possible? Yeah, his name was Laszlo Lowenstein. Oh my God! See, he came over on the same boat as your Bubba. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why didn't you learn any Yiddish from your booby? Gilbert is what I want to know. There was also, I think she taught me another expression <laughs> that was, uh, I think it was, a schöneren Lakeman in Dredarer, which means they bury people who look better than that. Wow. That's a good one. I read that you like to learn something every day. I do. So now you have. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> yeah, Peter and you learned Laurie. about Peter Came over on the same boat <laughs> with what's the great director of Metropolis? Fritz Lang. Fritz Lang. Yeah. They came over on the same boat. They escaped Germany together. What do you think, Fritz? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, Peter. <laughs> You tell me. <laughs> Man on a Swing is a fascinating movie. I want to tell our listeners. People people listen to this show, to our surprise, Joel, and they like when we recommend movies. And Gilbert has recommended The Swimmer, Frank Perry's movie, a thousand times. So we're going to recommend another Frank Perry movie, okay. which is Man on a Swing. You're very good in it. And 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 eerie. And you have the you, you have the difficult task of of presenting this guy as as very strange and eccentric and off-putting, but he also has to be credible. And Ordinary and ordinary. I love the way you're shot with the white shoes coming down the stairs too. I, I love I love your entrance. Good eyes. Yeah, good stuff. Good film. And people should see Buffalo Bill and the Indians too because you're fun in that. And Paul Newman's fun in that. Yeah, he had a blast. Yeah, that's that's a, an underrated movie that people should see. And Remo Williams too because it's because it's a scream. Oh, uh, what about Dancer in the Dark? I love Dancer in the Dark. It's, I think it's genius. Yes, me too. Me too. I'm going to mispronounce his name. Lars von Trier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's a... And I love his other film, Breaking the Waves. That's well, what made me want to work with him. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I got a call from my agent saying that uh, this singer, this, this Bjork, is doing this movie called... Uh, <clears throat> 
not breaking the waves, Dancer in the Dark. Yeah. Uh, and she wants to speak to you. I said, okay. The telephone rings. Hello? Yes. This is Bjork. Who? Bjork. I'm calling from Denmark and making a movie called Bob uh, Dancer in the Dark. I'm Ben and I'm Bjork. <laughs> and I want you to come to Denmark and uh, we will make we will make the movie and you will end. Yes, goodbye. That was the end of it. Did you know who she was when she? When I she, did. Uh huh. I remember her wearing the swan dress at oh, the she, Oscars too. Yes. Yeah. She's very she, interesting performer. Marvelous. I love her. Yeah, I liked Jen Kafka too. The Soderbergh picture. That was fun. Yeah, yeah. We could, and and I also loved you on Sex in the City when you dropped your pants. Guess what? I know. <laughs> Well, come finish it out. <laughs> and, and I, I love that you're so amused by it. It wasn't him. People say Joe. People approach him and say, "Joe, I loved you in Sex in the City when you dropped your pants." Not me. <laughs> <laughs> were were you Ron happy Rifkin. with the double I got you? <laughs> A double ass. <laughs> <laughs> I also remember seeing you. In like that second edition of um, Outer Limits, oh, you yeah. were an inventor who invent whose son dies, and you save his his brain or his intelligence, and you put it into a robot of uh, your son. I did. <laughs> <laughs> I remember it better than you. You sure did. it wasn't Ron Rifkin? <laughs> I think it was Eddie Cantor. <laughs> By the way, that Cantor clip with you is on YouTube. Isn't that... People can see it. It is wild. Shameful. <laughs> Why it's, do you say that? Because I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. Okay. I mean, I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> I mean, I didn't know. He says he compares you to the to Danny Kaye. says you're the next Danny Kaye. A lot of pressure. Yeah. Yeah. I was 18. Yeah. But it, what energy and yes. what commitment? Commitment. Yeah. Right. Commitment. Commitment. <laughs> <laughs> now, you were friends with Robert Clary from Hogan's Heroes. Yes. He's still with us, Robert. Yes. Yeah. 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 He's a sweetheart. Yeah. And I haven't that, seen him in much too long. And what is the Eddie Cantor connection again with Robert? He, he was married. To one of Eddie Cantor's daughters. To one of Eddie Cantor's daughters. That's right. Natalie. That's right. That Cantor. How, how did the Cantor thing even come about? I mean, you do the Charleston at one point. It came about because he came to see Porsche Capades. Porsche Capades, right. In Miami Beach. Jenny Grossinger brought him. And back he came backstage and he said, I'm doing a show. <laughs> <laughs> now you got to take a back seat to the yeah, Eddie Cantor yeah. impression. <laughs> I'm doing a show, <laughs> and I think you'd be very good in it. <laughs> I wish we had video. <laughs> How did you find him? And to, he said, yeah. at the end of it, he said, well, that was very good. Would you like to be in a Broadway show? 
because I've just gotten word from this man who's doing the show that you have a part in it. Good luck. Wow. It was a lie. Oh, interesting. It was show business. Oh, just so he was just saying it for, yeah. Boy, that's, that's <laughs> dirty pool. <laughs> no, it's not a lie. That's the wrong word. It was just show business. Yeah. How did you find him to be? Good. Yeah. I mean, really professional, and his early work is awfully good. How about Keith Brazell and the Eddie Cantor story? His early work is... <laughs> we, had Le- we had Leonard Malton here last week, and we, we were obsessing about Keith Brazell and the Eddie Cantor story, which... He, we, That's an obsession. Yeah, because <laughs> I remember... <laughs> There's this one part in the Keith Brazil's, well, in Keith Brazil's Eddie Cantor, and there's one part where he's in his apartment, and a guy with the phoniest looking rubber nose comes in to show he was friends with Jimmy Durante, and it's like Eddie, <laughs> good to see you, Eddie. <laughs> it's like. <laughs> Dink a dink a dink. Oh, that's pretty good. <laughs> we asked Leonard if he could. A, a listener asked if you could go back in time and prevent any movie from being made. <laughs> what, what would it be? And he said the Eddie Cantor story. Oh, really? Yeah, 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 yeah. And then there was Jolson sings again. Was <laughs> we're just talking about bad biopics and how many how many of those things they got wrong? And actually, I loved them. You do? You no, love- I mean, at the time. Oh. As a kid, yeah, and Al Jolson was a hero. He really was a phenomenal artist. You liked all those pictures because you didn't, you you weren't old enough to know they were so seriously flawed. No. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute! Now you tell me. Yeah, <laughs> we asked him about what was it? Donald O'Connor and the Buster Keaton story was another one. Yeah. That wasn't brilliant. Well, <laughs> give give uh, Joel will appreciate your Jessel. Oh, <laughs> yes. Oh, let me let me call up my mother here on the phone. <laughs> Hello, Mama. Yes, it's it's Georgie. Georgie, you know the one that sends your checks every week. Oh, now you remember. Hey, Mama. Did you get the parrot that I sent you? <laughs> what? You ate the parrot? <laughs> but that parrot spoke seven different languages. Oh, God. oh he should have said something. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. This is the this is the kind of shit we talk about on this show. <laughs> Eddie Cantor, Donald O'Connor. Name another podcast where they're obs- obsessing about uh, Keith Brazell. Uh, can I ask you a couple of questions, Joel, that, that fans sent in for you? Sure. This is one. I know you like to be asked questions you haven't been asked before. Andrew Milner said, Is it true that in the 50s, Joel performed in a backers audition for an unproduced Broadway musical called Saturday Night? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and Written by an unknown Stephen Sondheim. Exactly. Yes. Does he have any recollections of that fateful he, event? Uh, yes. <laughs> well, that that answers that one. We can I think sleep we're being, easy. I think we're being t- punked by Joel Knight. Yeah. 
<laughs> no, actually, I I knew immediately that Steve Sondheim was a genius. You did, and I loved that piece. Mm-hmm. Well, and what happened? What became? I don't of think it? it ever got made. Interesting, interesting to think that even the great Sondheim has. I think it was his first show. Interesting, maybe. Did you ever see the movie that he wrote with Anthony Perkins, The Last of Sheila? I did. Yeah, yeah, it was fun. Interesting. Oh, that was with James Coco. What's his name? Uh, James Coburn. Yeah, James Coburn. James no, Co- James, but wasn't James Coco like a fatty Arbuckle? No, you're thinking of a different movie. Oh. You're Which think, was the one You're with thinking Raquel of The Wild Welch. Party. The, the, the Wild, Wild Party. Party, where he played a fatty Arbuckle okay, character. Okay, you can leave now, Joel. <laughs> <laughs> Here's another one, Joel. You'll like this one. Uh... Any memories on of working on the Rankin Bass special? Twas the night before Christmas. Yeah, take the money and run. <laughs> <laughs> That's honest. So, so not one of your proudest. <laughs> no, for a Hanukkah special, that's something else. What about the Muppets? You did it. You did an early Muppet show. I did one of the first yeah. Muppet shows. Did you like that experience? Love the Muppets. Yeah. Henson was genius, wasn't he? Oh, I had the best time. We will return to Gilbert Gottfried's amazing colossal podcast after this. Here's one. We're just going to keep firing this stuff at you. This has become an interrogation. Gilbert wants to know, by the way, if you do a Jules Podell impression. Yes. Since you played the Copa. I don't think I ever met him. You never met oh. Jules Podell. Maybe it was, oh, whoa. Yeah. And maybe it was like that. I was like 18. I was I, I was really out of my depth. Yeah. You didn't like playing nightclubs, Ugh. I understand. I was an actor. Yeah. And I was in the wrong place. Yeah. And you, you found that they held it against you when you tried to do legitimate theater? There was a bias? Yes. Yes. I was a variety-ish performer. <laughs> well, now, well, it's interesting. There were a lot of gangsters in the clubs back then who were running it. Yeah, especially yeah. in Chicago. Oh, really? The Shea Paris. That was a great nightclub. Gorgeous, gorgeous line of girls. I was 18. Oh, my God. On top of the world. It was great. And we always heard that the gangsters were like the nicest bosses to have. I don't know. I would maybe so. I remember the the, the gentlemen that ran that place were wonderful. Their names were Are you ready? Okay. <laughs> Dingy <laughs> and Don Joe. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Dingy and Donjo. We talked to people who played a, uh, you know, the old days of Vegas, and they said that it was they were happier working for the mob than they were than working for the people who replaced them, the bean yeah. counters. All, yeah, all the celebrities loved working for the mob. Yeah, they they treated you really right. Don Donjo Medlovine. <laughs> he remembers his name. Wait a minute. Wow. Yeah, made a big impression. And Dave Helper. Was dingy, dingy Dave. <laughs> it's like a Damon Runyon. It's a character out of Capra. But they were really generous and fatherly. Interesting. Yeah. 
Why did you hate the experience so much? Why did you hate being a nightclub? I'm, I'm be, obviously because you considered yourself an actor, but that's exactly the that reason. was it. That's all there is to it. Yeah, I needed a script, a a part, uh, a play, something. You know that was where there wasn't drinking, right, and talking. And, you know, it, it, they didn't really care necessarily if you were singing your heart out, if they were, you know, gambling or there was a girl there. I remember, you know, they just sat with their backs to you. Interesting. Did you ever deal with rowdy crowds or drunks or things like that when sure. you were performing? Yeah. Yeah. That's no fun. Gilbert, does it bother you? you, you perf- you're performing exclusively in clubs. Does it bother you that people are talking or drinking or... While you're on stage? No, he accepts it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure he notices it. I love every second of it. <laughs> Am I right? You, you you take it all, right? Yeah, you have to. But no, it is better when they're paying attention. <laughs> what was your act, Joel? I mean, was it a, a little song and dance? Uh, some Some jokes? I mean, what was the... Yeah. Was it all music? Special material. Special material. Who wrote the special material? You did. No. Uh-huh. Uh huh. The, the the writer that wrote the most for me was a guy named Jerry Seelan. Okay. And um, it was good. It was good. You know. Do you remember any of your jokes from back then? I don't think so. And I don't think I want to say them. <laughs> but it did leave. You've, you've really attacked me in a way that I've not felt attacked in. So long. <laughs> this, this, room, this room is devoid <laughs> of respect. <laughs> Right. Well, the good thing about the night, the good thing about your nightclub career is it led to a career on the screen. You started doing films and you started doing television, like Maverick and Seven Seven Sunset Strip, and yeah, but that wasn't from nightclubs. That, it wasn't. It was in spite of. Really? How so? Because you know, like, I didn't Lana Turner see you at one point, and and I don't. I can't talk about that. Okay. You know, you're really getting a little un- unpleasant. Oh, I see. You know, it's, it's, it could be a lawsuit. <laughs> <laughs> He's got uh, a great uh, poker face, Gil. I'll give him that. I, I was in love with Lana Turner. Were you? I was. Oh. You and Johnny Stompanato both. That's right. Yeah. And I, um, I had a date with her. You had a date with Lana Turner? I did. Wow. Well, this is something that every man at that time would have <laughs> even trade now. places with you. <laughs> yeah, it was good. It was next best to Rita Hayworth. <laughs> <laughs> you wanted a date with Rita Hayworth? Put the blame on Mame. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. You're putting us on now. No, I'm serious. You went on a date I with... I was 16. Wow. And... I saw Gilda. Sure. And put the blame on Mame 
just was the most erotic thing I'd ever seen. Did you ever see it? Sure, of course. You didn't feel it? Yes. Yes, I know what you're talking about. I, I like mean, her in The Lady from Shanghai, too. I, Perhaps less erotic, but... I loved her. I, I get what you're saying. Oh, well, since we're talking about Lady from Shanghai, I can do my Everett Sloan <laughs> <Go. imitation. laughs> Perfect segue. <laughs> Are you pointing that gun at me, lover? Well, good, because I'm pointing this gun at you. <laughs> and then from... What about Edward Everett Horton? Did you do oh, Edward Everett I Horton? Could never do a good Edward Everett Horton. But I'll do uh, in... in uh, oh! <laughs> what? In, in Citizen Kane, he says... Ah, uh, Time? I'm chairman of the board. Pretty good. I have nothing but time. <laughs> Great. Joel. That was worth everything. I think I'm leaving. <laughs> <laughs> no, you can't top that. <laughs> you can't top Everett Sloan? <laughs> Give him a little taste of James Mason, just because he's such a captive audience. Yeah. <laughs> I mean that literally. <laughs> Congratulations, my dear. I, I seem to have made it just in time. But uh, there's no need to be formal. I, I know most of you on a first name basis. <laughs> <laughs> Any uh, others you want? Joel's face is just enjoying this so much. How about Will Jordan? We had Will Jordan here. We did. Will Jordan doing doing James Mason? Yeah. We had Will Jordan. He did. On this show. And he did. He Ed just Sol he, he was the most famous Ed Sullivan impersonator. Yeah. He, he was sweet. Uh, he was a pal. Oh, good man. Yeah, he was He was great on the show. Yeah, this this show is it's it's. Wait a, a minute, this show is great. Is that, that it? No. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say what we tried to do is introduce new younger audiences to people like Will Jordan on this show. Uh huh. We had you know a, a lot of character actors on the show. Richard Benjamin was here. Norman Lear, Carl Reiner, Bruce Bruce, Bruce Stern. Stern. Yourself, so it's 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 good, it's good company. Yeah, it's a, it's a, Richard Donner was here, Bogdanovich, a lot of good people. And it's like you being on the show for like like younger people listening to this show, the same way your father. Those people heard your father and said, "I don't know what this is, but I like it, and I <laughs> want to hear more of it." It's like there are people now who are going to start looking up your name, who didn't know you before. You'll see. Got about 60,000, 70,000 people you know, downloading the show per week. It's a lot of people. It is. Yes. And we've, we're proud to say we've introduced people like Barbara Feldon and, and Bruce Dern and Larry Storch and... Lee Merriweather. And Lee, and Lee Merriweather and all of these other people to two younger audiences. Jimmy Webb was here, Paul Williams. And, and the one I'm most proud of... Uh, Janet Ann Gallo, 
who was the little girl in Ghost of Frankenstein with Lon Chaney Jr. and Bela Lugosi. You like horror, old horror, uh, horror films, Joel? No. <laughs> Oh, God. All right. I'm going to ask you about your photography, and then we're going to let you get out of here. Tell us. You're doing another book. You've done, do I have this right, four books of photography? Right. Gilbert's sister, is who passed away last year, was a, a, a published photographer. You might know her work. Yeah. Arlene Gottfried. I think you'd like it. I think I do. It sounds familiar. She photographed, how would you say it, like, Gilbert? Like, uh, she loved old New York. The way New York used to look like. Of course. She loved any of the kind of broken down, poor, dirty stuff that you don't see now. Like New York's old, built up. No, not exactly. Yeah. I mean, we got plenty of tourists here. Yeah. And cockadoodle. It's everywhere. I mean, they're just digging up every street. Yeah, you could say it. Yeah. Yeah, I know. But I think you. She she liked faces. She liked regular people and interesting faces. And and uh, we'll send you a book. Okay, good. I think you'll actually like it. How did you get into this? How did you decide that photography was going to sort of a second career? I'm, or, just, I'm a visual guy. Uh huh. Art has always interested me. I was at the Cleveland Art Museum when I was eight years old, and I would try to get lost with, from my class, so I could stay there longer. And they they were looking for me. Interesting. So in, in the tombs. In the tombs at the Cleveland Museum. You've done four books and one coming called Sexy Flowers? No, the the the, the new one is called uh, The Flower Whisperer. The Flower Oh, you changed the title. Yeah. My the daughter f- called me that. And the, she The Flower Whisperer. And she's writing the the um forward. I like that. I know, here's what I wanted to ask you, too. Um, some of these performances, like you doing Amos in Chicago, are they available for anybody to see? Are there, are there, are there DVDs of, this, of, of some of your stage work or The Normal Heart or any of these performances that I'm never going to get to see? Um, no. Nothing is available. I don't think to so. To see. I mean, I saw you in Wicked, and that was, that was a treat. That was good fun. Yeah, that was fun. Stephen Schwartz went to my high school, apropos of nothing. <laughs> <laughs> he did a great job. Yeah, you He's, were you were wonderful in that. If, if I may blow some smoke up your tush. Uh, <laughs> you see, you do nothing, and they're screaming. We're an easy audience. You're uh, sweet. You're very nice. Well, we're fans. There's none. None of that can be seen. None of the. None of the. Uh, not wicked or anything goes or no. Nobody ever put them on. Uh, you don't have them. I don't think so. Yeah, that's an interesting thing about theater. It's sort of there and then well, gone. And some, gone. Of, some of that stuff is at Lincoln Center. It is. Yeah, and I have never looked, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm sure something is there. Are of the movies and TV that you've done. Uh, are you able to watch yourself, or are you one of those people who'd rather not? No, I have to. Yeah. I, I just, you do? Yeah. I have to look at it and say, what were you thinking there? And 
I see. And it came through. Or it didn't. Whatever. And that's how you learn. My wife loves you in that house episode. She thinks you're heartbreaking. Yeah. And I like you on the Night Gallery episode where you killed Howard Duff. Do you remember this? With a very young Mark Hamill in a bit part. I got another one for you. Hit me. I was on the Raymond Burr. Oh, Ironside. Ironside. Yes. And I played a jockey. (laughs) I don't (laughs) think I've seen that one. (laughs) Wait a minute. And you know who my girlfriend was? Sherry Lansing. Future uh, Hollywood studio executive. Right. Wow. Who's married to... Um, she's married to... Uh, yes. Who was she married to? She's married to the great director. Alan Pakula. No, not Alan Pakula. Who was she married to? Uh, God. Give me a hint. What did he direct? French Connection. Oh, she's... Oh, Friedkin. Right. Thank you. Right. William Friedkin. Right. Yes. Foolish me, saying Alan Pakula. Alan Pakula was married to Hope Lang. Right. How'd you like Raymond Burr when you did Ironside? Nice. (laughs) (laughs) How do you like Gilbert Gottfried? (laughs) Nice. (laughs) So I kind of remind you of Raymond Burr. (laughs) You haven't asked about yourself. About me? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Ask me. I think you like me, okay. So, what do you think of Frank? <laughs> nice. <laughs> what do you think of our engineer, Frank? <coughs> nice. <laughs> you should have done more comedies, my friend. What about Maverick? What about James Garner? If I'm just throwing names out at you. One of my buddies. Yeah, wasn't he great? He was great. My wife and I just watched him in Murphy's Romance. Martin Ritt movie. He was boy. Re- he was the real thing, and we were very tight. And what did you think of him? What did I think of him? Yeah, I, I can't. in in one word of Garner. Yeah. Yes, I thought he was a great actor. Okay, ask me what I thought of. What him. did you think of Garner? Nice. Nice. <laughs> He's using your own bits against you. I heard it. Is Buck Henry a friend? Yes. Buck Henry did this show. We, yeah. We love him. very funny. He's a wonderful man. Yeah. Yeah. What a body of work. I, I will tell you something about Buck Henry. Please do. For my opening night of Cabaret, I received a wire, a telegram from Buck Henry that said, Wish I were there to observe your peculiar ways. Oh, I love that. <laughs> you see, you never forget that. That's great. Uh-huh. Right? That's great. Uh-huh. Wow. You know, I remember a James Garner quote where they once asked him in an interview if he would ever do nudity. And he said, I don't do horror films. <laughs> That's funny. You know, I loved your book, by the way, which I got on Kindle, Master of Ceremonies, which we're going to plug here from Thank twenty you. from 2016. A great journey. But also, uh, I found this was fascinating, the, the, the vicissitudes of show business. One minute you're doing, you're in Jones Beach in this pirate 
production with, with Louis Armstrong. With Louis Armstrong, right? And not long after, you're winning an Academy Award. But I was quitting in between. Right, <laughs> right. It right. was the end of my yes. career. Yes, yes, that's also interesting. Jones Beach. Yeah, it was so horrible. Yeah, you were I, taking the bus out there. I was dreadful. It was dreadful. And it was not what I had in mind at the of, Cleveland Playhouse. Of course, at nine. Of course, of course. But fascinating. But a, but a fascinating example of of the, as my the friend depths. Susie Essman says, stay on the bus. Um, stay, it was the depth. Stay to the end. You were taking the bus. Literally, you were taking the bus from New York to Jones Beach, right? And performing. It was children's theater. No, no. Oh, was it? It was just the. It was called Mardi Gras. What was What was Satchmo doing? Uh, doing in this? He was doing twenty minutes, getting a check. <laughs> <laughs> it's a. It's fascinating too, because and a lot of times we've had guests on this show, Gilbert, who've told us stories like that. Like I was bottoming out. Yeah, I was going to quit. I was going to walk away. It was over. I was going to try to find something else to do with my life, and then a turning point. It's exactly what happened. Was was Hal Prince that turning point? Yeah. Yeah. He called me one morning when I was at my lowest. He said, um, what's the matter? <laughs> <laughs> I said, oh, no, it's just, it's hard. And, blah, 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 you know, there's no work and blah, blah, blah. He said, well, forget it because I have a new show and I think there's a part in it for you. That's ex- Those were his words. He'd seen you and stopped the world? You yeah. want to get off? Okay. Yeah, I knew you were the guy. Planted a seed. How about that? That's it's it's inspiring. It's inspiring to see how how quickly things can turn, and that all the time that you had put in was not in vain. And all these people that do the same thing and never get that moment. You tell that to young actors, young performers, ask you for advice. I I, I just say that it's it's difficult. Yeah. And it's nothing you can do about it. It has to happen. When Jennifer told you that she wanted to be a performer, how did you respond? I slapped her. (laughs) I I just, I said, God damn it. Hold on a minute. Okay. That's a good thing because you're beautiful and talented. That's good. That's not true. Oh, okay. I mean, I wanted her to have a... You know, a more normal childhood and uh, young adulthood. But she was fierce, like her dad. Good for her. We just had Diane Ladd in that chair telling us the very same thing about Laura Dern. Mm. Why do you have to do this? Can you be anything else? Can you run? A, can you heal yeah. lepers? Be a doctor or something where you're not going to be so harshly evaluated? You must have had a little bit of that, like fear for her being of mistreated course. or... Of yeah, course, it's hard. Word. You want to protect your children. She's done very well. She has. Yeah. And she's got a beautiful daughter who's 16. And um, her husband's a terrific actor and director, Clark Gregg. Yeah, sure. We're just talking about him. Yep. Yeah. Well, Cole Colson. Yes. Did he write What Lies Beneath? Yes. I like that picture. Me too. Very good. Scared the shit out of me. Me too. God, that was <laughs> very good. I was sorry I was alone. Yes. <laughs> People know Clark Gregg as Coulson from, from the Avengers movies, I guess, most popularly, but he's also a writer-director. Yeah. To, 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 to and be, he's on the to Marvel. To be reckoned with. You know. He's on S.H.I.E.L.D. 
Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Every week. Yeah, someone to be reckoned with. And he's a great director. Yes, talented family. What else you got for this man? He's got to go. He's got stuff to do. Yeah, I He's got pictures to take. I have to go to uh, the Museum of Jewish Heritage. Okay, give us a give us one more plug for um, for Fiddler. It's coming to stage forty two. Yes, in which, February, which used to be the Little Schubert. Okay, February nineteenth. I think February eleventh is the, maybe the first previews. February eleventh. Okay, I, I misspoke. think something like that. Okay, so we're going to tell everybody to go if you're in the tri-state area. Now you got to see it. Well, we're going to well, we're going to see it. You should see it downtown. Okay. Not this production. Uh, this production. This production. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's, it's going to be the same people. I will buy a ticket right after we get off the mic, sir. I think we can arrange for you to come. <laughs> <laughs> the publicist is waving. It's Not- sold out. However, oh, if only I knew somebody. <laughs> now I heard that it's also um, translated. Yes, they have the uh, supertitles in Russian and English. I but can't. Actually, everybody knows. Oh, they yeah, everyone knows the words already. Yeah, they know that story. And it's I find the the non-Jewish audience finds their own ancestry interesting in what we're putting up there and are mesmerized by it. And timelier than ever. Yeah. As you've with pointed all, out. Yes. With all the Michigas. <laughs> Today, just looking at it today, yeah, at Mexico, yeah, and the anti-immigrant just, sentiment, and and it's and just horrendous. Your your grandmother came from Russia, uh huh. And how did they end up in in Ohio? She had a cousin. Everybody had somebody. Yeah, yeah. That came first. Yeah, and my grandmother never learned to speak English. And one of my favorite things is she used to drive a truck. In Cleveland. And I said, Grandma, how did you get a license? She says, I gave the man a couple books. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. (laughs) All right, we're going to tell everybody. Gilbert and I are going to go see it first, but everybody needs to see Fiddler on the Roof in Yiddish, directed by the great Joel Gray. For personal reasons, I want people to see Man on a Swing and Buffalo Bill and the Indians. And that night gallery episode, which is also which is also online, Gilbert. And and I want to hear you sing another one of your father's songs. Okay. Do we have it? Do we have it queued up? You need music? No. Okay. He's going to do it without music. I get me a hame mit a weibele chain, wo the sheeps and the ziegelach leifen. I get me a hoise mit gesunde cowboys. When a couple hundred cattle to Fakafen, everybody sing. Haim, haim off in the range. range. <laughs> Come on in and bring plenty of change. From Erev to Boyka, Spiltman, Pinochle, and Boyka. Dalton in my high school, off in the range. <laughs> the great Mickey Katz. He was. Mickey would be proud. Performed by his son, Joel, the great Joel Gray. To our listeners, find Mickey Katz. The albums are out there. The videos are on YouTube. Get them. 
Joel, this is my new favorite episode of, of our show. <laughs> We've done 247 or some ungodly number. Thanks for schlepping out in the rain. It was funny. Oh, very. Funny. You guys are good. He's going to give you a sign-off. You're very cute. Thank you, as are you, sir. Funny, charming, and sweet. You're very kind. Yeah. Gil? We've been talking to the great Joel Gray. That's it. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Just... That was as much as you could do? Yeah. How long was I here? Joel, Joel, give yourself a sign-off. Oh, uh, could you do like a little station ID for us? Yes. No. Like, uh, <laughs> I know better. <laughs> Thanks, pal. Thank you. If someone stood up in a crowd and raised his voice up way out loud and waved his arm and shook his leg, you'd notice him. If someone in the movie show yelled, Fire in the second row! This whole place is a powder keg! You'd notice him. And even without clucking like a hen, everyone gets noticed now and then. Unless, of course, that person it should be invisible. Inconsequential. <laughs> it's been a few weeks. <laughs> Me. Cellophane, Mr. Cellophane, should have been my name, Mr. Cellophane, because you can look right through me, walk right by me, and never know I'm there, I tell you, cellophane, Mr. Cellophane, should have been my name, Mr. Cellophane, cause you can look right through me, walk right by me, and never know was a little cat residing in a poison's flat who fed you fish and scratched your ear you'd notice him suppose you was a woman wed and sleeping in a double bed beside one man for seven years you'd notice him <laughs> Are human beings made of more than air? With all that bulk, you're bound to see him there. Unless that human being next to you is unimpressive, undistinguished, you know. Should have been my name, Mr. Cellophane, cause you can look right through me, walk right by me, and never know I'm there, I tell you, Cellophane.
cellophane Mr. Cellophane Should have been my name Mr. Cellophane Cause you can look right through me Walk right by me take up too much of your time. Gilbert Gottfried's Amazing Colossal Podcast is produced by Dara Gottfried and Frank Santapadre with audio production by Frank Verderosa. Web and social media is handled by Mike McPadden, Greg Pear, and John Bradley Seals. Special audio contributions by John Beach. Special thanks to John Fodiatis, John Murray, and Paul Rayburn. 